Hey there, welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a more compassionate plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicki. And this is Larissa. In this episode of the Vegetarian Zen podcast, we are pleased to welcome Allison Tierney. Allison is an outpatient oncology dietitian working with patients during cancer treatments to ensure adequate nutrition and symptom relief. But before we get into our interview with Allison, let's hear from today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Golden Apple Roundtable. Who are the members of the Golden Apple Roundtable? These are the folks that help ensure that the lights stay on at Vegetarian Zen by providing us with monetary support via Patreon.com. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get support from their fans, followers, and community members. Many people don't realize that there are costs involved in putting together a podcast, but we do incur costs for media hosting, website hosting, equipment, etc. Any monetary support that we receive through Patreon goes directly back into the cost of producing the show and keeping it going free to our listeners. If you're interested in supporting us on a monthly basis, please head out to patreon.com forward slash vegetarian zen and there you will see a video of Larissa and me. And in that video, we discuss the mission of Vegetarian Zen. On the right-hand side of the page, you're going to see some various support levels, anywhere from a dollar a month to $50 a month. And you can also customize your uh, level of giving, by the way. Those are just some suggestions. Certain levels will qualify you for some Vegetarian Zen swag, such as a car magnet, recyclable grocery bags, stickers, or a t-shirt. Even a dollar a month can go a long way to help keep the podcast going. So thank you to our current, our past, and our future Golden Apple Roundtable members. Thank you. If you're not interested in contributing on a monthly basis, we also have a one-time button located on our website that says buy us a juice. If you go to vegetarianzen.com forward slash support, you will see that at the bottom of the page. And you can provide us with a one-time monetary contribution to help support the show. And we do have a new one-time donation from Francis Herrera. Thank you so much, Francis, for going out and buying us a juice. And again, if you uh, are interested in supporting us, head out to vegetarianzen.com forward slash support. And yes, thank you, Francis, and to everyone who has in the past. Okay, are you ready to get into our interview with Allison? Yes, ma'am. Allison Tierney is a registered dietitian board certified in oncology nutrition. Her life's passion is preventing, managing, and reversing chronic diseases with nutrition and a healthy lifestyle. Her approach is focused on recommendations strongly rooted in scientific evidence. Using a whole food plant-based diet, Allison helps patients navigate their health journeys after encountering chronic illness such as cancer, autoimmune disease, and infertility. She also focuses on prevention to help others take health in their health into their own hands. Through seminars and online courses, weekly blog posts, healthy recipes, evidence-based nutrition, as well as tips and tricks, Allison teaches others how to live a truly wholesome life. All right, let's bring Allison on the show. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Okay, well, we let folks know a little bit about you in the introduction, but if you wouldn't mind just letting um, our audience know a little bit about your background 
and how you got into perhaps doing what you do now as a, as a dietitian, oncology yeah. dietitian. Yeah, absolutely. So my journey is a little bit different, but uh, I actually went to school to begin with, uh, to college. I actually have a business degree in leadership and management. So that's where my college career started. But then um, during that time, I had experienced, unfortunately, our family experienced a lot of cancer diagnoses. So when I was a freshman in college, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then when I was a senior in college, my grandfather was diagnosed with liver cancer. But also among that time, my grandmother passed away from lung cancer the year before I was born. My other grandmother had had breast cancer and my godmother also had breast cancer. So as many of these diagnoses happened, I became to I started to become interested in how nutrition could have maybe played a role or played a role in changing how these paths happen. So could it help prevent the diagnosis in the first place? Could it help them during the course of treatment? And could it help them afterwards into survivorship from recurrence of their cancer? So as you can imagine, I wouldn't be probably here talking to you today about this if we didn't find out that yes, nutrition can play a huge role in all of these different areas. So I, my nutrition passion actually started in athletics. I was a, a college softball player and I always wanted to know like, how could I improve my performance with nutrition and you know exercise and all these types of things. But after these diagnoses happened, I was much more interested in nutrition as it related to chronic disease and cancer. So even though during my whole business degree, my favorite class in college was actually a nutrition class. <laughs> and so my boyfriend, now husband, um, he was in school, he was going to go to pharmacy school, and he was actually the biggest advocate for me to go back and be a dietitian. And even though my 21 year old self thought, no, it's too late. Like this, that sounds amazing, but I'm, I've already almost finished college. Why would I, I can't go back now. And he's like, yes, you can. Like, why would you think that you couldn't? So lots of different things happen in between that. But then uh, I decided to look into a dietetics program uh, back in my hometown area. And I started looking at the classes and decided to go and talk to the administration and just learn a little bit more. And the minute I walked into that door, I said, I'm going to be an oncology dietitian. And it just kind of stuck since then. And I told all my professors that I wanted to be an oncology dietitian so that I could get as much experience as possible. Because unfortunately, we don't actually get a lot of oncology experience during school. Um, it's definitely a specialty of the field. And we don't, we just didn't learn that much about it. So any learning specifically about oncology needed to be on your own account um, above and beyond what you learned in school. So thankfully, I was able to get an internship with a well-known um, national cancer center, and I had an internship there, and then they hired me on full-time after the internship, and I was working in outpatient oncology, which is exactly what I wanted to do. But a couple things kind of turned around. I was traveling really far for that and realized that I kind of wanted to still be in the Milwaukee area where the cancer center was not located. So I ended up moving back home and got a job at a local cancer center that my mom was actually treated at. And I developed the oncology nutrition program there because they didn't have one before I got there. 
And so during that time, I learned a lot about oncology nutrition, mostly from my own learning. I would go home and while my husband was working long hours, I would just go home and like research and study and learn all about oncology nutrition, which led me to learn more about the plant-based diet. And during this plant-based diet, of course, we had learned about vegetarianism and veganism in school, but not really the ins and outs of it and the benefits of it and, you know, those myths that exist about it. We never took that deep dive into it. So I started doing that and I wanted to do the best for my patients as possible. And as I started diving into it and practicing it towards my clients, I was like, wait, why am I not doing this more myself? And so after that, I started to apply the plant-based nutrition to my own life. And it happened in like small steps, didn't happen overnight by any means. And after, like during that whole process, I started to notice great benefits in my health. Uh, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I had, as a result of that, I had horrific acne that started to drastically improve. And there were so many great things. And then when it kind of came to this, this point where, um, unfortunately, my husband and I were dealing with infertility. And during this whole time, I thought, you know what, I need to look into this a little bit more for um, fertility, PCOS, etc. And so I did more research. And before my husband and I decided to move on to other fertility treatments, I said, you know what, like, I'm not against those other things, but I want to try to change my diet to be fully plant-based as much as possible to see if it helps. And my husband, of course, said, whatever you think will help us, let's do it. And so I can thankfully say that I got pregnant just a few weeks later of adopting a wow. whole food plant-based diet. Um, and I always, you know, put the little asterisk there that I had been slowly reducing dairy and meat already, but this was like the final step to kind of get rid of things. Um, I live in Wisconsin, so dairy is one of the hardest pieces to get rid of. But um, yeah, I hadn't, I knew I hadn't ovulated an entire year and a half because I was taking test strips all the time and being monitored. And finally, you know, there was a positive ovulation. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> is that real? That's and <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. And I ended up, um, so I ended up getting pregnant and have a beautiful um, baby girl that is going to be four um, this coming month. And I can actually thankfully say that I'm actually pregnant with number two right now. Um, so there's been a lot of really positive changes for me personally when it comes to the plant-based diet too. Well, congratulations on, on one and uh, double congratulations on two. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we really truly believe, although there are many different, you know, pieces of the puzzle when it comes to fertility and overall health. Uh, we do believe that the plant-based diet was one of those big key pieces for us in order to help us um, achieve that. And also kind of with that, during about the same time, my twin sister was diagnosed with lupus, which um, I'm sure your audience knows a little bit about just from previous guests, but it's an autoimmune disease that affects the joints and the organs. Um, and she was diagnosed in 2013 and her rheumatologist, although fantastic, told her that there wasn't really anything she could do with nutrition or physical activity or lifestyle that would help her situation. And we just refused to accept that. And so I can tell you to this day that she actually uh, put her disease in remission 
with a plant-based diet and lifestyle. And um, she actually just had a baby girl about four months ago, which is something that not a lot of lupus patients get to experience because of the medications they often have to be on. Um, So, you know, there's some powerful things that have happened for her. And then of course, um, to the, so in my regular practice within Wholesome, I deal with a lot of cancer patients and um, chronic diseases, autoimmune diseases, et cetera. And, you know, the transformations that I've been able to see, not only just me personally and my twin sister, but in my clients that I've worked with because of a plant-based diet has just been unbelievable. And I'm so grateful to really have stumbled upon the plant-based diet those years ago. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, One of the things I wanted to ask you, I wanted to go back to something you said when you were talking about your schooling. Why do you think, I have a couple questions actually. First of all, why do you think that, uh, oncology nutrition isn't taught in schools or even emphasized or even taught. It sounds like you had to teach yourself a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, as you can imagine, you know, when you go to school to be a dietitian, you're getting laid the foundation of nutrition um, so that you can be able to go out and practice it. We we learned, actually, this was a saying that my parents always said, that you kind of go to college or you go to school to learn how to learn. Um, and it was really from that standpoint, it was part of that, but I think also it is such a more rare specialty, at least a couple of years ago, and it's starting to emerge a little bit more that we just didn't know as much about nutrition and how it could benefit a patient throughout the course of treatment and afterwards. But now there's so much more research about how important it is that it's becoming a little bit more important. Um, And I can't speak to what they're doing in school now, but I can only assume that the the lectures on oncology has grown. Um, And then you'll see a little bit more of the specialty lectures happen in grad school. So I actually um, am an adjunct professor and teach oncology nutrition at the graduate level. And there we get to take a little bit deeper dive, but not unless somebody's going to grad school and taking that class, do they get to really have that experience in oncology. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you just kind of along those same lines is, so when you finally got, when you got pregnant, your, your doctor, did your doctor put some stock into that or did they, he or she just into the plant-based into diet, the plant-based diet yeah, being that- That's a really good question. I love my OBGYN, um, but it's kind of funny because when we were first talking about trying to get pregnant um, many years ago, she was talking to me a little bit about, you know, taking a prenatal and making sure I'm getting plenty of omega threes. And then she kind of stopped and she's like, wait, why am I telling you this? You're a dietitian. (laughs) And I said, no, no, I want to hear it from other people too. So I think really honestly, from that standpoint is um, my OB did didn't really talk to me much about nutrition because she knew my profession and she also professionally refers clients to me. So um, I know she definitely um, agreed to my, like she agreed with my approach and what I was doing with her own patients. Um, But when I, um, a fertility doctor that I worked with, um, she very much advocated a whole food plant-based diet. Um, She followed it herself and recommended to other Patients. So I can't say much about what my OBGYN really thought about diet because she kind of just let me do what I do. And, but I don't really know what she talks to other people about, but I, I think that, you know, my story has moved many of the physicians that I've worked with before to help investigate nutrition a little bit more when it comes to these causes. 
Yeah. And that's, that's a really good, um, good point that you made about, you know, how she kind of knew what, what it is that you do. So I think she probably just, you know, assumed, Hey, she's got this, you know? Um, But, but uh, it, it's always encouraging to hear when doctors actually, you know, reach out to, to patients and um, talk to them about, about nutrition and about um, how it relates to whatever health issues that they have. But, you know, that said, there's a really, there's a lot of advice out there when it comes to health, whether it's from your doctors or online or, you know, on news reports or or what have you. Um, How do you, distinguish what's like legitimate fact-based information from just bad, like, like pop medicine info or, you know, things that are just not really right. Yeah, this is a great question. Um, It's not always easy, especially for those that are not, um, I wouldn't necessarily well-trained or well-versed in kind of this area. There are many people that are interested, but they just don't, they're not really sure how to approach this. And what am, I have a story for you. And one of that is when my daughter was born, when she was, we were at her 15 month appointment with her pediatrician and I had just weaned from nursing her because we were both ready. And, um, he told me everything looks great. She's developing well, like she's meeting all of her milestones and beyond. Oh, by the way, how much milk does she drink? And I'm wearing my, you know, dietitian badge because I work in the exact same building as this pediatrician. And he did not respect my role as a dietitian. And he told me, unfortunately, that um, vegetarian children tend to have learning disabilities. And I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) And to be honest, my my daughter was getting fussy and my husband was in the room. My husband's my biggest devil's advocate in a good way. Like he's just there to like, you know, just challenge me in a really positive way. And so he told me about all the pediatrician was telling me all the ways that I had to like force my daughter to drink cow's milk, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, okay. And I kind of, then we were done and we got to the car and I looked at my husband. I didn't even say a word. And he goes, I know we're getting a new pediatrician. Like, <laughs> yeah, that totally would have been us too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but I was frustrated because I said, well, yeah, I'm, we're getting a new pediatrician because I'm not going to fight that for 18 years. But at the same time, like he's telling people like wrong information because I know that's wrong. I've done the research. I know this is incorrect, but there are families that they don't know any different and they take the word of their physician a hundred percent. And so I told him like, but who, if I don't educate them, him, who's going to educate him, you know? And my husband said, well, maybe you should ask him for his research. I was like, fair. So I asked him to send me, you know, I just messaged him and said, Hey, you had mentioned this. And I was hoping that you could share some of this research um, with me that you found. And he's like, sure. And he sent over like three different things. One of them was a media article. And then like the two other Mm. ones were like decades old studies, but the decades old studies, I was reviewing them. And I was like, wait a minute, like, there's nothing even talking about vegetarian nutrition here. And I even like control find, you know, vegetarian, vegan, (laughs) plant-based, nothing even came up. And the study was actually about fat restriction in children. And I was like, but I'm not restricting fat in my child. Of course we know that children need X, like 
they need higher amounts of fat when they're in infancy and toddler, et cetera, than adults do. So not only was he saying blatantly wrong information, he couldn't even source it. And so then I showed my husband and I got all upset again because I was like, this isn't even real research. (laughs) And he's like, just let it go. Let it go. One of them's an ad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so like for milk. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, this is the perfect example of what happened to me in my experience. But, you know, thankfully I did know better because I had done the research and it it does frustrate me a lot that there are physicians out there that still believe this information or other information. But I think really the best way to try to help decipher what is good and what is bad is I'm always telling my clients, like, although it's true and it's kind of sad that it has to be true, but you have to be an advocate for your health. If something doesn't sound right, ask more questions. If something doesn't make sense, ask more questions. Um, And you might be able to discover where that nutrition information is coming from. Does it come from a dietitian? Does it come from a physician that actually has educated themselves about nutrition? Because unfortunately, it's not even required in the U.S. for physicians excuse me, in medical school to have nutrition course. Um, So, you know, they spend all those years training, which is fantastic, but they don't learn anything about nutrition. And if they do, it might be a two hour course or a couple week course. And they're talking about the basics where dietitians are required to have their bachelor's degree and sit down for a board's exam and also an internship. And by the year 2024, all entry-level dietitians will be required to have a master's degree. So we talk about all this formal education in nutrition, but unfortunately physicians don't have that training unless they seek it themselves. Um, And so we do have, there are amazing physicians out there that do know a lot about nutrition, but they, they seek it themselves and it's not part of their regular medical curriculum. Yeah. It's just amazing. And we, we hear a lot of stories about that from our community members as well. And I think what you're saying is spot on. You have to think, does something make not make sense? I mean, it's one thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is that doctors are people too. They can make mistakes. And if something doesn't sound right, it is important that you, that you question it. Just a side story real quick. I had, uh, it's been about 20 years ago now, but I was diagnosed. I had uh, I was having health issues and I couldn't understand why because I'd been healthy most of my life and was having uh, felt tired all the time, just run down and uh, was having kidney issues where I hadn't had that before and migraines where I'd never had that before and I couldn't figure it out. And my primary care doctor was taking me to sending me to all these specialists like a neurology, uh, all these tests to be done and didn't put everything together. And uh, finally, I just started doing some research on my own and I asked him, could this be sleep apnea? I said, because the, the symptoms, every time, everything I read about sleep apnea seems to be like what it could, it could be. And he said, oh, I don't think so. That doesn't sound right. And he said, but I'll take you, I'll let you go to a sleep test. And so I did a sleep test. They found that I had severe sleep apnea. Like mm. I stopped breathing several times a minute every night. And, um, needless to say, I got my CPAP machine and I changed doctors. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you, if you're so set now, he was open enough to at least authorize a sleep study for me, but I mean, I, but you had to push, I had that. to push for it. It yep. wasn't easy. He dismissed mm-hmm. it. And a lot of people, uh, and I think sometimes I, I think I, I, I would say women 
too sometimes have a hard time um, just kind of standing up for themselves a lot of times in those types of situations. So um, I know it as a woman, you can, you kind of get, just kind of get talked down to or dismissed. Yeah. And you know, to be honest, looking back at that situation with the pediatrician, I really should have said something right then and there. Um, Obviously in a respectful way and so forth, but um, you know, I didn't, but I, you know, the happy ending to the story is that we now have a pediatrician that is 100% plant-based himself and um, oh, is super awesome. on board with, you know, how we're raising our daughter. Um, and so that is something that's amazing for me because, and it's kind of funny because when we go into her appointment, it's more of a fun conversation for <laughs> for mom and the doctor and my husband's like rolling his eyes in the corner. <laughs> um, but it is super nice. And we kind of live in a, Uh, not a rural area, but we live in the suburbs of Milwaukee where like plant-based is just not something that's super mainstream. Um, And we, this was, we live in Texas. So we know all about that. Oh yeah. There you go. Um, So like having a plant-based physician to two miles down the road of where we live is pretty unheard of. And, but I'm so thankful for that. That's awesome. And now a word from our sponsor, Buddha bowls, the vegetarian Zen way. Trying to create healthy meals for your family can be an exercise in frustration. We know firsthand. Meal planning takes time and it can be challenging to find well-balanced meals that are quick, easy, and can be adapted to satisfy various nutritional needs. For example, gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, all of that. Even more frustrating is having to throw away spoiled produce that you had every intention of cooking but never found the time, or should I say the quote, right recipe to use it in money down the drain despite producing our own vegetarian podcast for since 2013 larissa and i found ourselves here until we discovered buddha bowls what the heck is a buddha bowl buddha bowls sometimes called power bowls nourish bowls hippie bowls sunshine bowls macro bowls are essentially bowls filled with vibrant healthy food you've seen these on instagram while they are typically plant-based and dairy-free I have seen some variations that include fish or meat, which can work well for households that have both plant-based eaters and omnivores. So this is a big reason why we love Buddha bowls. They're quick and easy to make. They make meal planning and meal prep easy and fun, and they're great for blended households. In this book, you will learn what Buddha bowls are and why they are the perfect meal, how to create your own awesome combinations based on your needs and specific tastes, and some of our own favorite ingredient combinations or recipes, plus ideas for sauces and dressings. For more information and to purchase the book, head out to vegetarianzen.com forward slash Buddha bowl book, and you will see an option to purchase the book at the reasonable price of $4.99. Again, that's vegetarianzen.com forward slash bootable book. And all proceeds go right back into supporting the show. And now back to the show. So, uh, Allison, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about was changing habits, like bad habits. And when you have patients that come to or, or clients that come to you, is it patients or clients? How do you refer I to your... I honestly say both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think of them as patients, but I think technically, uh-huh. like in my practice, I have to say clients. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you have folks that come to you and are looking at a lot of times, uh, and, and we mentioned this to you before we hit the record button, is that one of the things that even got us into creating this podcast was trying to figure out for ourselves how to eat healthier and break the bad habits of processed foods, because processed foods are just 
it's, it's an, it can be an addiction, you know, it can really be just, uh, and they're designed that way. That's the thing. That's, I cannot keep Pringles in the house because I don't, you don't eat just one and they're designed to do that, you know? So when you have folks that you're, you're consulting with, what, do you have any tips for maybe how you, how they can break some of these bad habits? I mean, one of the things I did is probably the simplest thing, stop keeping them in the house. And especially right now during the, the, the pandemic, I can't just run out and, and uh, get something, you know? So it, right. that's, that's one thing we've done, but do you have anything that helps people or any tips that you have that help people to kind of break some of those bad habits? Yeah, for sure. Well, and one of the biggest things is that to remember is that many of the habits that we've developed have happened over our lifetime, right? So whether, whether you're in, you know, you're young and you're in your early twenties, right? Like that is one of the things you still have probably that habit for quite a while, but if you're in your fifties and sixties, you may have had that habit even longer. So like giving yourself the grace that sometimes these habits take a long time to break or consistent effort and persistence is something to first recognize and recognize that it doesn't have to be perfect overnight. Um, So one of the things is that, you know, there's this concept of called the growth mindset and that it's not about who we are, but it's who, like what we're capable of, right? We're all capable of great things if we set our mind to it. So, and rather than looking necessarily at our weaknesses as something that's a bad thing, but what about if we look at it as opportunities for growth instead of a bad thing? So from that perspective, you know, I don't like to emphasize like certain perfections or anything like that, because it's all about like consistency and aiming to try to do better little by little. Um, And the same thing, like for me, when I was making those changes and I didn't have, uh, I didn't grow up with really what you would consider the standard American diet. I would, I grew up with more of like the healthy American diet, if you can coin it that, where it was, you know, we ate very little red meat. It was mostly poultry, but it was fruits and vegetables. Uh, There definitely wasn't legumes involved. I know that for sure. (laughs) Um, But, and we didn't have lots of fast food and there was some processed food, that's for sure. But even from there, I didn't want to look at it as like, oh my gosh, I have to make this giant change to in like a 180 degree change overnight, because that's really overwhelming for any human. I mean, there might be a select few and I've seen it happen where people literally just like, they decide to make a change, they snap their fingers and overnight they become whole food plant-based. Like it's happened before, but the majority of individuals don't operate that way. So if you can really focus on making these really small changes and um, apply just like a simple focus on moving forward and embracing your own individual starting point, I think that can be super powerful in helping somebody to move forward. So, you know, my starting point in my nutrition was likely not the same of, same as you guys. Um, it was, you know, although I have a twin sister, they were slightly different, you know? And so it's one of those things is if you can focus on where you are, you as an individual, not your sister, not your brother, not your best friend, not your significant other, but you, and then slowly make some changes moving forward, then you'll start to see those incredible benefits that you get. And that's going to encourage you to keep the ball rolling and try more and more. And that's personally what I experienced. I noticed like, huh, my skin is clearing up huh, my digestive issues are getting better. You know, what happens if I take this all the way? What really happens then? Um, So obviously there's a lot to talk about when it comes to that, but if you can really just focus on 
hey, this is where I'm starting. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to focus on progress. I think that can be a really powerful way to encourage someone to um, just get better a little bit by little bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, for me, just not keeping, just not ordering it. We have our groceries delivered right now just because uh, we're actually both considered high risk, but just not ordering it. Just having that one, making that one little uh, change to just not put it on the grocery list has helped me for sure. Yeah, And I feel like grocery delivery is more helpful for that because like, so what I do um, is like, I'll make my grocery list and then we go get it. Right. But if you're in the store shopping around, that's much more opportunity for impulse buying. But if you create your list before you actually sit down and do the grocery shopping, whether it's um, for grocery delivery or for in the grocery store itself, like you create a list and stick to the list. And I think it's a little bit easier to do that when you're doing it online grocery, because you don't, you don't see the cookie aisle really, unless like you actually (laughs) seek it out, right? You don't just walk past it. You have to go to like, oh, aisles. Oh, cookies, right? You have to actually seek that out. And I think that can be a benefit for sure of um, eating or doing your grocery delivery through the internet. Yeah, that that is an excellent point. And, you know, those end caps and those uh, bins <laughs> in between the aisles, those are killers. Evil. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. They're, and they're, and they're the, you know, the grocery stores are evil geniuses when it comes to that, because <laughs> they know people like me are just going to go by with my hand out my arm and just like clothesline all this stuff right into the cart. You know? How did that get in there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going for five things and now my basket's full. Yeah. Yeah, It's like going to target, right? It's like, you just can't, you can't get out of target with just on your list. Actually I did last week. I was like, wow, I only got what I needed. It probably helped Mm. that my husband was there to like influence that. No, that's not on the list. (laughs) Yeah. The last time I got out of target, I came out with a golden girls t-shirt, which was not on the list. (laughs) Oh man. But you had to have it, right? I had to. To have it, I had to have it. <laughs> hey, Allison, I wanted to ask you about a video I saw of yours on. Uh, you have a, and we're going to link up to your YouTube channel, which was really good. And th- you, you had a video on there that I thought was really cool. That was uh, called the five to one fiber rule. Yeah. And you were talking about how fiber impacts or how important fiber is. And one of the things every now and then, I don't use this consistently, but every now and then when I feel like um, I'm off the track of my um, eating goals, I'll, I'll kind of track my food in, a, in an app. And one of the things I noticed, surprisingly, that I wasn't, I find myself sometimes not getting enough of this fiber and how important that is. And you really talked very good about that. And would you mind talking a little bit about the five to one fiber rule? Oh yeah. Um, Okay. Fiber is one of my favorite things to talk about, which is like, it seems like a very non-sexy thing to talk about, but it is such an important thing when it comes to diet overall, not just plant-based diet, but just diet overall, because so many of us think of fiber truly as just something that's going to have, help us have a bowel movement. And although there is some truth to that, there's so much more to it than that. So there's a lot of different angles that you could talk about fiber in, but fiber overall is one of the best things that's going to help, um, help you keep full and satiated and also regulate bowel movements, reduce chronic disease risk, um, naturally regulate blood sugars. I mean, there's so many great benefits to it. 
And one of the great benefits that we're learning even more about is truly when it comes to this simple equation and this equation that I'm, you know, deriving is from uh, Dr. B, who's known as the plant uh, fed doctor or the gut health MD. Um, But he really talks about the equation of prebiotics plus probiotics equals postbiotics. So these prebiotics are the fiber and the resistant starch that we only get from plant foods. There is no fiber in animal products. And these prebiotics are the food for probiotics, which are the bacteria that live within us, the good and the bad both together. But we want to make sure that we have more of the good and less of the bad. If we have more of the good and less of the bad, our disease risk drops dramatically. Okay. Um, 70% of our immune system lives within our gut and like 90% of the serotonin that is produced in our body is made in the gut, which is related to a lot of our mental health, um, in terms of, you know, happiness and anxiety and depression, et cetera. So we have these prebiotics, which is food for probiotics and probiotics are the good, healthy bacteria. And that equals something called short chain fatty acids, which are these, what are considered the postbiotics. The reason why short chain fatty acids are so important is because they actually are anti-inflammatory. Okay, so as you can imagine, with the many different types of chronic diseases that we have in our country and across the world, a lot of these or most of these diseases are rooted in inflammation. And if they're rooted in inflammation, then it also gets rooted in how is our gut bacteria. And from that standpoint, you can't improve your gut bacteria if you don't have fiber. Okay, so much of this in terms of not just weight control and satiety, um, but just chronic diseases in general, all starts with fiber. So when we talk about this five to one fiber rule, what this is really about is that when you're consuming foods that let's say they have a level of processing to them, for example, bread. Bread has a level of processing to it because you take, let's say, the wheat kernel and you you grind it into a flour. In some cases, they take the wheat kernel and they strip it of two of its three parts of the wheat kernel and bring it down into just one, which is the white carbohydrate that's remaining. Okay, so when you have somewhat of a processed food and the reason why I say this, even though we want to try to minimize processed food or completely eliminate it, that'd be amazing. But we also have to recognize the society that we live in, the fast pace of it, where you know, having small amounts of minimally processed food can be a helpful part of the, of a healthy diet. So if you're looking at, if you're looking at a nutrition fact for a, um, for a bread, for example, what you want to do is you want to take the total number of carbohydrates and divide it by the grams of fiber. Um, and if it's five, if it, if it has that five to one ratio of carbohydrates to fiber or less, then you're looking at a product that has a pretty good ratio. That's going to have some of that fiber benefit to it. Um, but even besides that, if you take away that nutrition fact label and you're eating food that doesn't really have nutrition facts, like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, those types of foods, you don't really necessarily have to worry about that five to one fiber ratio because that fiber is naturally going to be in whole unprocessed plant foods. Does that make sense a little bit about the five, the five to one ratio? 
That makes perfect sense. And, uh, you know, D- Vicki had watched the, the video on your site. I haven't seen it, but I am going to go watch it uh, because especially with my um, lupus and my diabetes, I, uh, I've i got, you know, serious inflammation issues all around. And I, I'm coming to realize more now that, you know, I, I don't nearly eat enough fiber and I eat way too much of the kind of processed, you know, um, snack stuff. And, uh, yeah. and it's, it's really hurting me. I mean, l- literally physically hurting me. Um, so definitely I'm going to go check that out. Um, but, and, and speaking of that, well, it's kind of a little transition, uh, that's on your YouTube channel, but before we, we kind of signed off, I definitely want to talk about what, what are the services that you offer on, on your site? Uh, what do you offer as far as, I know you have a couple of meal plans and some consulting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, so my website, which is wholesomellc.com, on there I have a bunch of recipes, um, blogs, and for example, I have the five to one fiber rule on there um, where I'm talking about like what it is, what it entails, and then even some examples of like some bread products that don't meet the test, but or do meet the test. Um, so we do, I do a bunch of different topics of blogs in there. I'm always sourcing all of my different um research because I think it's important to say like, hey, where did you get this information from? Did you just pull it out of your hat or did you um, actually do research? So you'll be able to find all the studies that I talk about are referenced within that exact article. So excuse me, if someone's interested, they can go back and look at it themselves. Absolutely. Um, I have a bunch of recipes on there. I'm not, I'm not what I consider a food blogger by any means, but I do have recipes because I think it's really important to teach people the why, like, why would you do something right? Just like I talked about the fiber, like I didn't, I don't want to just say, just eat more fiber. I want to say why you should eat more fiber, because I think you'd be more motivated to do it when you know the reason why, not just that you can have a better bowel movement, but so that you can reduce your risk of disease and increase short chain fatty acids and all that. So the why, and then the how, and that's kind of where the recipes come into play. So I do have um, a free five-day meal plan on there, which is really designed for anybody. Um, It's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, grocery list to go with it, prep list ideas. And it's really for anybody who's looking to try out the plant-based diet, see how to do it, um, or somebody that already follows a plant-based diet and just wants to try a new menu plan. Um, I also have an online meal planning program I think it's pretty cool because, but I know I'm biased because it's my program, (laughs) Um, but it is an all plant-based online generated meal plan has um, uh, really like thousands of recipes from diet. They're not all my recipes, but they're dietitian approved recipes that you can automatically generate based on your, your unique individual needs breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, you can track within it if you want to. Um, And some of my clients use it like 100% and some people just use it for inspiration. Um, So we do have that, but I also provide um, coaching sessions. So I actually do a group coaching uh, where I do small groups, um, but they, I also call it hybrid group coaching. So not only do we do this group coaching component, there's also individual components. So we meet with people, I meet with the group weekly, but then monthly I meet with the individual themselves too, because I think that nutrition, although we can learn a lot in a group setting, I think it's really important to be able to put that individual spin on it because just like between you and me, we're going to have different individual needs 
needs. And I like to address that. Um, so I do group coaching and then I also do individual coaching. And that's where if somebody doesn't feel like group coaching's right for them, or they have a very complex issue going on and they just want a hundred percent individual attention, I do offer that as well. Um, and I'm so blessed to be able to say that I can offer that all across the country, honestly, all across the world, as long as someone speaks English <laughs> and um, they have the internet, um, I can offer that service. And um, I do have an e-seminar on our website, which is right now it's about gut health. And I hope to offer more of those because I do do in-person seminars at the local level here in my community. But obviously since COVID hit, I haven't been able to do any of those. And those are one of my favorite things to do. Um, so I kind of have a lot of things going on on my website. Um, from everything from a bunch of free information and references and resources, all the way to, you know, the unique, the individual coaching um, that can help bring someone from where they are to where they want, what the goals they want to accomplish for their health. Very cool. So it sounds like wholesomellc.com is the best place for people to find you. Is that Yep, Would you can find true? me there or I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, both under wholesome LLC as well. Very cool. And I see you do have some social media also. So are you active on Pinterest, Facebook, um, and Instagram? Yep, I'm um, I'm active, more active on Instagram and Facebook and a little bit on Pinterest. Um, and I do have like a YouTube channel where I post some videos. I'm not um, posting to YouTube all the time, but I do have some videos and I'm going to be putting up some more like patient videos because um, I'm really grateful to have some patients sit down with me um, and share their story, which I think can really help people relate to maybe their own individual story as well. Very cool. And we are going to put that YouTube video on the five to one to fiber because that was really good. As I, as I was, as uh, we were going to have you on the, on the show, I was looking at some of your stuff. And one of the things was that video. And I came out of my room going, telling Larissa, that was like the best fiber explanation I've ever heard. Ah, <laughs> that's like that's a so really great. good explanation. So Yay, we're thank definitely going to have that on our side. Sure. Uh, before we sign off, is there anything in, in closing that you just want to tell folks out there who are listening, maybe looking to, to get a little bit healthier and especially right now, I think it's so important that we're keeping ourselves healthy as, as healthy as we can. Yeah, I would honestly just kind of go back to like, start with where you are and go from there. And don't be and try not to get down on yourself in terms of um, if you have, um, if you have a slip up or anything like that. I don't, I don't, when my clients say like, oh, I cheated and have this, I'm like, you didn't cheat, you're human. Like it's <laughs> it's one of those things is that, you know, honor the fact that um, we can really just improve and celebrate those weaknesses for growth and start with where you are. And there's no reason that you have to have deprivation or guilt or anything like that. Just focus on moving forward and small steps and you'll make great strides in the end. That is a great reminder for all of us. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Allison. It has been amazing talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that was an amazing interview with Allison Tierney. It was she had some so really easy to talk to, very easy to talk <laughs> to, uh, and just some solid advice. And I think one of the things she does a really, really good job of. And if you guys you know, follow some of the links that we're going to have in the show notes, like to her YouTube channel and such. She does a really good job of explaining things. Like I said, yes. I, I had never heard fiber explained quite that well. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, documentaries yeah. and a lot, uh, a lot of other YouTube videos and even podcasts too. And she just explained it so well. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, guys, as we mentioned, we will have links to everything, every place that you can find Allison 
in the show notes at vegetarianzen.com forward slash 369. I think that does it for our episode this week. Until next time, peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.